KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Wednesday to morning sports station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM as Trent and I spend the next couple of hours talking sports with you Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. Coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, bottom of the hour, we will head to sunny Florida, to Miami. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com, is on the ground covering Super Bowl 54 for Yahoo Sports. Frank Schwab. Bob will join us at about 10.25 in the 11 o'clock hour. We will start it out with Cappy. Yes. Disclosure. It already happened. It did. It got us. So we tip Cappy. If you're familiar with the program, we appreciate that. Uh, we have David Kaplan from Chicago every Wednesday. He's yeah. on the air from 9 till noon. Right. So we ta- we get in here at 8.35 roughly and we tape Cappy and get as close to airtime as we can possibly get. So we got off the air with Cap or we hung up with Cap at about 7 minutes to 9? Yeah, about that. One minute after 9, the Chris Bryant story broke <laughs> that he has lost. Uh, his uh, his uh, battle was for trying to get the the extra year of eligibility removed, so he's lost his grievance uh, with the Cubs. He will not be a free agent until after the 2021 season. That's the clarity that the Cubs were looking for. That's the clarity that. I don't know how many of the other 29 teams wanted to um, wanted to have some at least a roadmap should they be interested in pursuing the All Star third baseman um, that apparently maybe be on the market, but it certainly changes the dynamic of what they'd be able to get in return if indeed there is an interest on the Cubs' part to part with him. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be a uh, command way more of a haul now that he's under team control for two more years. So we didn't get that in with Cappy, but we covered a variety of topics. You'll hear that at 11. And then Alex Halstead on Iowa State about 11.25. The number one team in the land. I think Gonzaga is, but Baylor has mm. that ranking. I don't know who is, Trent, I guess, to be honest. Uh, Baylor will be here tonight uh, taking on Iowa State. As we, Last time I looked, which was just a few minutes ago, but a four-and-a-half-point favorite, so somewhere around then. So what did I miss? I've been gone for two days. Well, you were in Vegas, mm-hmm. so a good place to be Super Bowl week. Uh, yes, a good place to get out of early Super Bowl week, sure, as I did too. yesterday, because yes. it gets pretty crazy. Uh, it, but it's fun. I mean, I spent Monday night in the, uh, at the Palms Racing Sportsbook watching Wisconsin and Iowa and watching a whole bunch of NHL. And there's some NBA games, a couple of other um, men's basketball games. But it's just a pretty cool place to be. Even at 61 years old, I still enjoy that. You know that uh, let your hair not let my hair down. I'm like, <laughs> that, that that kind of unwind, have yeah. a couple of beers, and watch games. And that's what you did. And that's yeah. what you did out there. Now, did you fire at anything? Did you bet on anything? Uh, I did uh, for my son. Okay, yeah, because my son is um, an Idaho resident. And he couldn't bet the game, and he's got a strong opinion. So. Oh, okay, yeah, like everybody else's opinion. It's the over. <laughs> it's the over. Yes. So that's what. What did doing. you get it at? 54. 54, yeah, because 50. that thing's still creeping up at some places. Really? Saw as high as 55 wow. in a couple of the Vegas properties. So we can't. I can't bet at any of the CGs, so I went okay. across the street to the Gold Coast and bought that. So you know who's on my flight? Just real quick about that, because I do want to, you know, a lot of ground to cover mm-hmm. within the two days. Joe O'Donnell, the voice of the Iowa Wild. Yeah. 
Uh, we were at the airport on Sunday morning waiting to catch the Southwest, and there's Joe Donald come walking to the Voice of the Wild, and it's the AHL All-Star break, so he's got a couple of days off. So we're getting our bags, and we land in Vegas, and he says to me, he asked me when I was coming back. I said, I'm back on Tuesday, so just an in-and-out quick flight. He said, me too. Do me a favor. If you don't see me at the airport, call me. Oh, it was a uh, okay. Well, he different just, kind of vacation than you had. I'm gonna yeah, guess. no, for sure. So it was, it was. It was I think it's a couple of things because didn't he turn 40 years old last week? He did. Yep. So or the week before, recently turned 40 years old, and he was on his All Star break. And him and a couple of guys from the Wild were making their way out to Vegas. Call me at the airport. So, anyways, um, just getting set to call him, getting pretty close to boarding the plane, and here comes this guy. <laughs> Looked like you've been up all night. Ah. Hair going everywhere. Joe's a well-kept individual. He is. Good-looking dude. He is. Looked rough. Rough. Trent, I'm not sure he changed his clothes. (laughs) Now, I can't be sure what he was wearing, but he looked like he just left the tables and Uh made it to the airport in time to get back on the plane. And I guess, but good for Joe O'Donnell. He's a good guy and, you know, um, a hockey fan. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it was fun to be out there. So I was on the plane when the Kobe news broke. Okay. And I'm on South, we're on Southwest, which is, I don't know why anyone doesn't fly Southwest. Your bags fly free and you get to watch TV the entire way for free. And it's, um, I don't know how many channels, probably a dozen. Yeah. Not bad couple of uh you get espn espn2 and you know a couple the of networks yeah get all the networks get um cnn msnbc fox and then there's some kids stuff like disney's on there sure. and, um for my wife there's that one where the property brothers or whatever they're on hgtv hgtv sign at our house a lot too <laughs> yeah so so you know i'm on the plane watching a couple of big 10 games had my attention and then the kobe stuff started to break right mm-hmm. and it was it was Funny is not the right word. Um, odd that the coverage of most of the Kobe Bryant stuff was on the news stations, not in ESPN. They mm-hmm. had the Pro Bowl. I mean, they had it on the Crawl, etc. But it was CNN, it was MSNBC, and it was Fox that just did wall to wall of that. And then after the Pro Bowl, I guess Zubin got on the air, and yep. you know Zubin was on. Um, for most of the night, because I went downstairs to the books, and he was on all of the big screens, you know, opining on, on the lies. You know what it reminded me of, and I'm sure you spent a lot of time talking about it. It's just um, for your generation, right? Yep. He was not my generation. Um, I'm older than you, and but for thirty somethings and forty somethings, I was struck by at least my perception of how this death affected you, yeah. and your age group. You know, it's really interesting, and I think it's maybe even a tick lower than me, somebody approaching 40 years old, because I was always a Jordan guy, and I wasn't alone in that one. I mean, think anybody in their late 30s and throughout their 40s. So you're a teenager in Jordan's heyday, right? Right. I I remember the beginning. I remember the battles against the Pistons, finally Mm -hmm. overcoming that. and remember the baseball. But during really your most formative, I think, sports years during a teenager, it was Jordan. And Jordan Mm -hmm. was as big as anything. And we look back at the television numbers and just how big he was. And I didn't want another Jordan. And I didn't like Kobe as a basketball player because... I kind of remember it, too. He was that guy that was trying to take his throne, trying Mm -hmm. to be the next king. Mm -hmm. And you know I love LeBron. I was ready for LeBron when LeBron came around. But I wasn't ready for Kobe. And I I, I think of my friend base and my group of friends... Outside of a couple of guys that happen to be Laker fans or Laker fans before Kobe, I don't know any Kobe Bryant fans in my age range. But 
you go just a couple years younger. I was talking, texting with my nephew, who is 25, and this was a huge impact mm-hmm. for him. And, and people of that age range that really don't remember Jordan, or if they have any memory of Jordan, you know, it's very early right. in their formative years. And late in his career. Right. And he, and he wasn't the guy, he wasn't the yeah, high he's flyer. He's a wizard. Right. And, and the guy that burst onto the scene in the commercials and everything else that made Michael Jordan yeah. what he was. Be like Mike. Kobe was that guy for them. And going through it and going through this and the tragedy. And the story, and, and I relayed this on Monday, and apologies for anybody that heard it then as you were away. But So I'm going Sunday to Carver to watch Megan Gustafson and her Jersey retirement and go over to the Iowa women's game and take Ella to her first ever basketball game. And, and apparently it was packed. It was. Over 13,000 people there. And, and rightly so. Good for yeah. them. It was, it was a great environment. Really mm-hmm. fun. Not a great game until the fourth quarter. Iowa really didn't play well, but they pulled away and got the victory. But I'm taking my daughter, who's starting basketball in just a couple of weeks, to wherever first ever Iowa women's basketball nice. game. And she's excited about it. And she tells me afterwards she wants to get a headband just like Megan wears. And <laughs> you know all these things. But... At the same time as we're driving over, I get the text and my phone is just buzzing and buzzing. What is going on? And I hand my phone off to my wife. What, what is going on? And she tells me the story. And then the story as it continues throughout the day and as I was coming back, I don't know if you saw the clip with him on Jimmy Kimmel where Kobe is talking about his daughter, the basketball player, and talking about, you know, people say, you got to have a boy. And Gigi steps up and says, no, nah, I got this. Mm-hmm. And as this is unfolding with me, having this moment with my daughter throughout the day. Mm. It, it was, again, Kobe wasn't my basketball guy. He wasn't mm-hmm. that dude for me, but that impact of what he has turned into. And and the other part that I continue to, just the, the anger of when somebody passes away that comes out is, I was so excited to see what was coming from Kobe Bryant. Because though he wasn't my guy, he was such an interesting person. There was he really so turned layers. it around, Trent, because he did yeah. have that uh, the 2003, Three. I think yeah. it was, in Colorado. Yep. Um, yeah, but he'd not moved past it, but grown from it and mm-hmm. changed from it. And um, yeah, he, you're, that's a good point. I mean, what, what, what would have been next for him, sadly? Uh, we'll never know. You know what it, it reminded me of? Because I really don't have one of these. I guess the, the closest it would get, I mean was when Magic Johnson was diagnosed with AIDS, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because AIDS was such a, we knew nothing about it. And if you get AIDS, you're gone. Right. And Magic Johnson's got AIDS? Hold on a second. Right? I, I remember it vividly. No, I do too. I remember I was at Rappo Park in, in Aurora, Colorado. And it was, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, sometime in the afternoon. I'll never forget. November, don't remember the day, but it was November of 1991. And that's kind of like the Kobe thing for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. This will stick with them. At that They'll time. They'll remember where they were when they heard the news. It felt like magic. It was a death sentence at that time. Yeah. It was, was for everybody. He wasn't going to be around for uh-huh. a year or two at, at most, and uh-huh. that's what it was going to be. And, of course, we know how everything turned out for him and the advancement of medicine and everything else. But I, I remember it vividly. I was hanging out with my best friend in elementary school, Adam Markham. Shout out to Cedarbrook Builders here in town. And he, <laughs> uh, he was sitting... Up there, we were shooting hoops on my Nerf hoop, and the news comes down. And it just, you can't wrap your so mind around it. So how old are you? I'm 11. Time. So you really, did you understand what that disease was at 11? I, on the playground, not. that was something that you made fun of. That's oh. something, you know, that you, you said to a kid you didn't like. That, oh, right. And then, for that to happen, mm. Magic Johnson. So we had the cooties. Did you guys have the cooties? We had cooties, yeah. 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 But I'd rather have a little the cooties deeper. than, yeah, you yeah. Yeah, a rough neighborhood. Dude. Well, it was rough bringing up in Osage. That's 
But as it comes down, and same thing, and you remember those kind of moments. I just saw, well, yesterday was the anniversary of the Challenger explosion. Really? 1986. Yeah. I was in kindergarten, and mm-hmm. we had it set up where it wasn't half days. You went full day, and then the day off. Well, it happened to be one of the days off, and I went to flip on the television mm-hmm. and watch Price is Right. It wasn't on. Mm-mm. And just sitting all day long. Krista McAuliffe, is that her name? Yes. It was yeah. a huge deal because there was a teacher she on board. She was the board, teacher. And it was talked about we talked about it for weeks uh-huh. leading up to it and then that happens i and remember her parents, I, was six. I remember her parents in bleachers oh. and then when it seemed that everybody realized what had just happened mm-hmm. and the joy that was the liftoff to very quickly after all right anyways let's move on um because it's it's two days old i just you know wanted to yeah opine a little bit yeah so uh, I got to go back to Monday night. Look at the, the, Wisconsin tried to Wisconsin up this basketball that game. Boy, did they! And I thought they were going to pull it off for the longest time. And boy, that Davison, if he's not one of yours, he's one of those dudes you just can't stand. Right? You want him on your team? Maybe you don't in some games, some of you. But uh, he's a dirty player. He's yes. a dirty, dirty player. But you know what? At the end of the at the end of the game, it was uh, Iowa who walked out with the W. I'm not sure how they did it, Trent. I'll be honest with you. Joe Toussaint had an unbelievable impact on that basketball game. So did Fran McCaffrey. I thought the end of the first half when he uh, subbed him in in the mm-hmm. dying dying seconds, dying minute, whatever it was of the uh, uh, of the first half when he put him in the game, he got the ball, went the distance, and won 30-30 into the locker room they go. That was huge. Um, Frederick finally hitting a oh three in the God, first half. he do? Their first hits that other big one that cut it back to three. The, think of that. They have this backcourt. These guys are not leaving early for the NBA. No. These guys yes. are going to be around for the next three-plus years. Uh-huh. That's a pretty good foundation going forward, right? And we, we talked about the next recruiting class and what's next for Iowa and these kind of things. You can build around those two dudes for the next three years, guys mm-hmm. that aren't scared of the moment, that want the basketball, that have some swagger to them, and have the toughness that Fran has been asking for for the last decade He's for his team. got teams. it in this group now. Connor McCaffrey still got two-plus years left. Yeah. <laughs> The pieces are in place for this team, not just to be very good this year, but to make a couple of runs. Bohannon will be back next year. Garza will be back next year. It's going to be a deep Keep team. going, please. Nunji. Keep going. Wieskamp? Yeah, what are the chances? If he's back, Trent? I think they're all back. You really do, huh? I think they're all back. And if that, that changes, certainly Ooh. Iowa basketball and what it can be. Well, this year's forward. a blast. This is my favorite Iowa team, I think, since I've been doing this for 24. I swear to God, yeah. I love this Iowa team. They are different, aren't They're they? They're different, yes. They they got that. There's just something about them. They have it. You know? did, and, you, did you see? It's very difficult to catch exactly what C.J. Frederick said, but it was right after the final horn goes off and Kevin Kugler's going through no. the final numbers. Because I didn't have volume. Oh, okay. We, I didn't have volume book, yeah. at the book, yeah. But... There's a Wisconsin player walking by, and C.J. Frederick says something along the lines of, get the blank off my court. Really? Yeah. The, the, this is after the this handshake is, line? Th- this is before. Okay. It's right as the horn is sounding. Okay. And they kind of cut back, and you can hear very faintly saying something along those really? lines. Get the blank off my court. Creener kind of grabs everybody as they're going to the handshake line and says, all right, nothing happening here. It was very chippy at the end, but uh-huh. let's be above it. And that's the senior leader mm-hmm. coming out there. Swagger, leadership. This team's got a lot of elements. Mm-hmm. They're not deep. They can't afford another injury. Well, they've got a legitimate star in Garza. As they go, it is Luca Garza. How about this? Everybody's talking yesterday about the 3 of 20 from 3. Iowa was 10 of 19 on layups. Garza wasn't very good for his standards. Still has 21 yeah, and 18. True. 
but he missed a lot of bunnies mm-hmm. in there. Now he was he was being bumped. Reavers was making it tough on him, no doubt. That's Wisconsin. Ten of nineteen on layups. This game very well could have played out completely different than the way that it did if Gars is playing his standard game too and finishing a lot of those shots that he didn't finish. Yeah. Guard wasn't the guard. They had a plan coming in, Trent. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams. We're going to see that tomorrow. Smith, who didn't Smith just go off for 29 in his most recent start for Maryland? I yes. think he did. He went crazy. It's going to be a tough spot tomorrow. But, uh, boy, that, you you got you to protect the home floor, and they did. And for 30, how many minutes? 34 minutes of the basketball game. It didn't look like at any point it was going their way because they were playing Wisconsin brand of basketball. Fran McCaffrey changed it up defensively. They went to the three-quarter trap. It only led to, I think, one turnover, but you could see Wisconsin was completely out of sorts with what they were trying to do offensively. You look now at what Fran McCaffrey's done over the last eight years. He's finished six times in the top half of the Big Ten. He has won NCAA tournament games every time that they've been there, short of the play-in game. He has got them back to Dr. Tom levels, Mm -hmm. yet... It still doesn't feel like this fan base completely embraces him. Well, they should. I don't know what they're waiting for, Trent. I really is it going to take a run to the Sweet Sixteen? Uh, is that what maybe. it is? And you maybe. get more of the casual fan that's in there because can you hear it? There's still plenty of negativity for Fran McCaffrey. It's it's difficult Trent, to wrap my mind around. I, I don't get it this year. I really don't. Yeah. Previous years, I'll, I'll buy him with you. I'll, I'll go down that. There's road. been frustration, absolutely, yeah. and, and deservedly so. And and you certainly you certainly shared more than your share of right. frustration yes. with him. But this year is a different year. All right, the number one team in the country is up north tonight in Hilton. Boy, I hope the roads kind of break. The oh, commute yes. was just atrocious, just absolutely. It took me thirty seven minutes from the thirty sixth Street exit in Ankeny. To the Mixmaster, 37 oh. minutes. 37! It, it was rough coming from the west. It wasn't that bad. It was just slow. Oh. No and accidents, though. I didn't see single accident either. Just I mean, I really did going didn't. creeping yep. on. Okay, so, I get it. It was terrible. It was. So I had the GPS on, and it tells you at the end of your trip what your average miles per hour was. What did you get to? 16 miles an hour. That's about it, right? From Valley West Drive all the way to the Science Center, where my daughter goes to preschool. 16 miles an uh. hour. And stopped at some points, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. There's parking lot. Anyways, everybody had that commute. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I Hopefully certainly better don't stand as we get over. That's just my point. Yeah. So I hope that folks will be able to get up and, and watch this Iowa State team. Trent, I, there's no moral victory for what they did uh, in Auburn. But you know what? The, at the end of the day, I thought they, they were going to get blown out of parts of this game. I thought that they were going to be embarrassed in parts of that basketball game the other day. And they hung in there and they kept fighting. And here's a chance. I think it was Terrence Lewis who they cut it, and they didn't need a three at the time. I get it. He was open. He thought he could, you know, make that three. Mm-hmm. You get, you make the two. You try and extend the game. But point being, at no time, other than the last maybe five minutes, I thought, well, not only are they going to cover, they might be able to pull this one out somehow. Right. And Bolton was unbelievable in the game, and Lewis was certainly had his moments, and Solomon Young was Solomon Young, and I couldn't agree. I think it was Dockage that had the game. Um, he was singing his praises the entire way through. The, it, this is, we've said, this isn't an NCAA tournament team. Nope. But you can set the bar differently. And, and for me, the bar is, right now, um, is, is avoid opening night at the Big 12 tournament. You know, avoid having to play... Is it Wednesday, Thursday, it's th- th- whatever the opening night Wednesday. is? Wednesday. Wednesday. Stay the hell away from that. Get out of that. Play. Don't, don't have to play Oklahoma no, State. No, no. No game against Texas. Right. Get through that. Get the six. Get the three. Playing the three-six game. And get West play, Virginia West or whatever. Virginia. Yep. 
I mean, that's no picnic, clearly. No, no. But the game's in Kansas City, and you know, things change there. That's different from Morgantown. You'll have way more fans in the building than they will. So that's what it's about for me. And now you've got an opportunity, because as I think back to the Baylor game, oh, early January sometime, early part of the Big 12 uh, slate, this was a double-digit win by the Bears, but the game was in Waco, and I seem to recall Iowa State played pretty tough. They were there. Yes. It was the beginning of the second half. Baylor went on a 20-3 to run. That's what it was. Okay. It went from a decently close game, mm-hmm. chance for Iowa State to hang around and maybe give themselves a chance the last five to... They have no chance. 20-3. to three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lose that locker room spe- uh, speech, Coach Blum. <laughs> right. That one didn't work. <laughs> Go back to the drawing board right. on that one. Right. But we've been promised a... Uh, uh, not promised. We've been... There's been speculation. I think Randy Peterson uh, covered the Auburn game, um, and he was... I think he might have been the only medium. In fact, I'm pretty sure he was. Mm-hmm. That was there locally. Um, and, and he mentioned the fact that Pro might be taking with the lineup, so I'm assuming there's been press conferences, and Alex Halstead, in about an hour from now, will uh, you know, clue us in as to whether he thinks that, uh, that just might be the case tonight, that we may see Jacobson on the bench and not starting anymore. Or whatever that's going to be, I'm anxious to find out what it is, because here's the number one team in the country, and wouldn't that look good to the country, if indeed, you know, for the Iowa State fans around the country, if they could pick off the the Bears. And a couple of MVC games tonight, you and I at home for most Yeah, state. they're both on ESPN+. Plus. I was excited about that. One of them's at 6. They're both at 6. They're both at 6. Both at 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock tip-off for the Iowa State game. Drake on the road at Indiana State. And for the Bulldogs, they got to find a way to get a couple of road victories. Indiana State's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Top, Certainly top 6 team mm. in the MVC and maybe a little bit higher, but this is uh, this is one if you want to keep creeping up that echelon, get up there into say the top three of the conference. You have to find a way to win some of these road games because they've been so good at the Nap Center. Got to be able to do it a little bit on the road too. You had Brian Harden yesterday. I saw your guest list. I was jealous because I wanted to uh, I wanted to, to speak with him, and there's no reason why we can't at yes. some point down the road. But uh, um, how did that go? Because he, we'd never had him before. You know, it's really it was good good conversation talking with him. And one thing that I brought up is you know, two years basically into this now. What's proved to be more difficult? And he grew up here. He grew up in West Des Moines. He right. went to Valley High School. Right. His parents are Drake alumni. He he knows the Drake community, though he was never a part of it before becoming the athletic director. And he said he knows his people grew up Hawkeye and Cyclone fans. But but getting those people to realize you can still be that, yet still come out to our games and still be a fan and still be a part of the programs and those types of things. And you look at the attendance numbers, they haven't been great well, last, for Drake this last season. in the conference. Yeah, it's... A thousand a night fewer than watching uh, the, the women's team. Right, and, and that's something that they're just continuing to try to find ways to, to work on and get and to. And Trent, they're there because, and I know what winning does, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't have to go back that far. What was it, 2008 in St. Louis? The building was... I mean, at the time, Creighton and Wichita State were still part of the Valley, and they would bring fans. You've been to the, oh, you've been yes. to it a million times. You've you knew seen it. every year it was going to be six to seven Creighton fan, thousand Creighton fans, right? And it would be little pockets of all the other schools. Yep. But the year that Drake was Drake, and they made that run under Kino, it was crazy how many. And even going to Tampa because I was there. Oh yeah, that's right. And I saw with my own two eyes how many Drake fans made their way uh, to watch the team in the first round of the NCAA tournament. It was they're there, but how do they? I don't know. You know, and sadly, what I think a lot of the problem is. What's that? 
The Sandy Hatfield club problem is hard to get past. That she lost a ton of fans. Mm-hmm. She alienated a ton. I'm sure she made some. And I'm painting with a pretty broad brush here, but she lost a bunch of folks. There's plenty of people that you talk to Still in the Drake community. Yes, mm-hmm. and I've heard that. You've heard that mm-hmm. from all kinds of different people. That that run it made it difficult, and that's something that Brian Harden, I'm sure, is continuing to to work to repair. That's to overcome. Yeah, yes, that's a good way to put it. He's got to repair a lot of the damage that her tenure did because they're winning. DeVries, he tied for the regular season title last year in his first year. In his first year, think of what this program could be. He gets a couple hits on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is basically two years in a row had to retool completely the roster that he has had to put together. And thinks if he finds one of those you know, diamonds-in-the-rough type of recruits, the under-the-radar guy that comes on and bursts onto the scene and is a all-MVC player right away, and you put that together, and maybe you get you know, not a Tier 1 prospect, but a kid from Des Moines that's a top-250 prospect and says, you know what, I'm going to stay at home. I'm not going to go, and I'm not going to play, I don't know, at a, at a middling Big 10, Big 12 school. He doesn't have anything upper echelon. But you know what? The big Iowa and Iowa State aren't calling, but I'm going to stay at Drake instead of going out and playing for Nebraska. You know, something like that. Those types of things happen. This Drake thing could be really good. It is different, too, without Creighton and Wichita. Yep. Because you knew when those two, and if they came in ranked, you were going to get seven, 8,000 in the map center for those games. Yep. Even if it was on the weekend, if it was on the weekend, half of their fan base would follow their team up there. We'll take a time out off to Florida next. Frank Schwab, yahoosports.com, Miller and Condon with you until noon. But right now it's time to pay your bills with iHeart Radio and 1460 KXNO along with 106.3. I text the keyword ball to 200, 200 right now. That's ball to 200, 200. It's your chance to win a grand. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Super Bowl conference. Conversation next. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's get out of this blizzard we're experiencing here in Central Iowa and head to South Beach. Well, that vicinity anyways. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com, Wisconsin grad. He's on the ground covering it for Yahoo Sports. Frank, uh, thank you for giving us a few minutes. Always appreciate it. Trenton, Kenan, Des Moines, how are you? Doing great. Good to talk to you, Frank. Well, uh, Wednesday, Super Bowl week, you've covered a lot of them. Does this one feel about the same as the other one? I guess, what's Miami like for a Super Bowl venue? Does it feel like some of the others? It's very cool to be here. It's, it's a very fun place to be. It's it's different. It's one of these big cities that doesn't that the Super Bowl doesn't take over necessarily. Like you don't feel that this is Super Bowl week every single where you go because Miami's huge and there's a lot going on. I, there's some cities you go to and the Super Bowl literally dominates the city. I think the difference this year is is honestly been the Kobe Bryant thing. It's mm. the first time. This is my seventh Super Bowl. This is the first time I've covered one where the Super Bowl is not the biggest story. It's it's just kind of this weird. Paul, I guess, over the game, and uh, maybe that shifts later in the week. But right now, there's just been you know a lot of a lot of sadness about that. Everybody talking about that, and you know that's kind of a new one for me because usually come to Super Bowl and it's 
that's nothing but the game, and mm-hmm. that, that's center stage, and that hasn't been the case this week. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. Frank, it just it seems to me, and I could be dead wrong on this, but I don't recall previous Super Bowls where Garoppolo and Mahomes, or the two quarterbacks, or the night before um, Kittle and Kelsey uh, doing something in 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 unison, a, a kind of a joint press conference type deal, or or a joint media availability. Is that something new? Because I don't recall that being a case at previous Super Bowls. You know, I, I think that is uh, a little bit new, but you know, you see respect across the teams. Sure. There, there's, you know, I mean, you see that uh, everywhere, but you really see it with these guys. And I think that Kittle uh, and Kelsey are a good example. I wrote about them last night. And, you know, who's better and Gronk wing and, and all that kind of stuff. And you could just sense the, the absolute uh, respect that these two guys have for their, each other's games. They watch each other uh, on film and they see, you know, a lot of things with it, you know, a lot of similarities too. And they're both kind of, you know, similar personalities. So I think that in that way, it, they have a lot of respect for each other, but you can sense that. Throughout the teams that, you know, Andy Reid really has a, a great respect for Kyle Shanahan and vice versa, and Mahomes and Garoppolo. And yeah, more than anything, this has been, this isn't one of those Super Bowls where both teams are kind of snarling at each other. They, there really is a heck of a respect. And I think that, uh, you know, that kind of, it, it, it speaks to how good this matchup is, that these teams are really, really evenly matched, and they both come in knowing, hey, this is a quality, quality team we're playing against very, very good uh, players. Speed on both sides, and the speed of the offense of the Chiefs, the speed of the defense of the 49ers, certainly one of the storylines playing out this week. I found it interesting. I was listening to an interview with Raheem Mosert. He was talking about the rest of the crew there. said, uh, out of all the running backs, he'd take Jeff Wilson as the fastest one. Mostert himself was a, a all-Big Ten track runner at Purdue. It's just incredible the speed that we're going to see in this game and just the continued evolution of football as a whole. You always had fast guys. I mean, go back for me, it was Willie Galt. He was the fast guy growing yeah. up in the Ronaldo 80s. Ronaldo Nehemiah. Yeah, you had these guys, but all over the field now, and not just wide receivers, defensive ends, and linebackers, the speed of big impact, certainly in this one, it feels like. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you look at and these, it has changed. I, even, you know, kind of 10 years ago, the prototype guys were Calvin Johnson, and before that, it was Herman Moore, and at running back, it was Eddie George. And now, you know, you, you feel the game changing. In that it, it's it's not all about size; it's about speed. And you know this ebbs and flows, and that'll come and go. And there's still room for guys like Derek Henry in the game, who is big and fast. So, but I, you know, and, and the funny thing is, I, I wrote about this on, on Monday morning that I think South Florida has had a lot of impact on that and the way the game is played. You look at all the talent coming out of South Florida, and what do you think when you think of Florida guys? You think speed. You think, mm-hmm. you know, these guys really getting after it. And I think that that has had a big impact on the game, that you know, the teams aren't necessarily looking for the big, you know, Sterling Sharp type of receivers anymore. They're looking for the fast guys. They're looking for the Tyree Kills, and these guys have become the, the kind of the the centerpieces of, of NFL football. And yeah, I, I definitely do see that changing, and and we'll see if that keeps evolving because you know every, it's a, there's such a premium now on just that incredible, incredible speed. Uh, what's the, one of the keys to this football game? If the Niners are going to win, Frank, and I'm sure we'll probably get around to asking the same question about the Chiefs, although you'd think that the offense would play a big role if, uh, in the answer if the Chiefs are going to win. But how do the Niners win this football game? And are you of the opinion that Garoppolo uh, isn't good enough to win a big game? I know a lot of people are. I'm not one of them. Where are you on Garoppolo, and how will the Niners win this game? 
Yeah, first of all, I think if the Niners win this game, it's very simple. It's our defensive line. And I think back to the game, you know, the Giants against that undefeated Patriots team, and how did they beat them? How did they slow down that offense? Well, they, they rushed four guys and got home just about every time on Tom Brady. It's the same thing. If the 49ers can rush their four, and they're really, really good up front, mm-hmm. and Nick Bosa and guys like that, if you could drop, then drop seven in the coverage but still get a pass rush on Patrick Mahomes and contain him, not let him get outside the pocket and make some of the great plays he can make, I think that that totally uh, changes the Chiefs' offense and really puts them in a bind. I, I think that that could be a big problem for them, and I think that that's the key of this football game for either side. It's can the, Chief, or can the 49ers get a pass rush of four guys? I think that's huge. And as far as Garoppolo goes, Look, I don't think he's play-by-play as great of a quarterback as Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is probably the best in football right now. But I think one thing Garoppolo does really, really well is he is great in clutch situations. He is he is, has a very slow heartbeat when the game's on the line. And honestly, I think that if the 49ers are in a position where they needed a drive in the last two minutes to win the game. I think they're going to have full confidence in Jimmy. I, I think they've seen him do it before. That he's a that just has that type of personality that doesn't get rattled by the situation. He's come up big in those spots. So I think that you know he might not put up 400 yards in this game like Patrick Mahomes might. But I think if it comes down to the end, the 49ers are very good about their chances if if Jimmy Garoppolo has the ball yet. Frank, I want to get your perspective on this. As you look at the 49ers and what they can do off the edge defensively and bringing guys, not just Bosa, but from all over the place and what they're able to do generating that pass rush just with the front. Still, Patrick Mahomes, is he going to be used maybe more as a runner? Do we see more in the screen game here? Or are they going to rely even more on the running game than they have in the past? What do you expect the game plan to be for Kansas City on that side of the football? Yeah, I think you're going to have to be effective in a screen game. And, you know, that goes back to, uh, that, that's always been a big part of Andy's uh, offense. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a big part of Mike Holmgren's offense and Bill Walsh and all that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the tree he comes from. And I think that they're going to have to have a screen game to slow down the rush. And, and the running game will help, too, with that. I, I don't think they could just drop back and, and expect, you know, to, to block those front four. They're that good. They're they're. They're a dominating defensive line. So I think we, we are going to see some things by the Chiefs to get the ball out quick, to slow down the pass rush. And he's going he's gonna to have a plan for that. And, you know, it's just going to come down to whether that actually does slow down the pass rush because there's going to be times when Pedersen have to drop back and, and, you know, maybe Tyree Kill, give him some time to hit Tyree Kill downfield. But I, I think, yeah, it's the entire offensive game plan coming in. When they met last Monday to start talking about this, it had to be, Okay, now how do we slow down the pass rush? How do we how do we block them? How do we keep these guys off Patrick Mahomes? Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, Frank, how long do you think that uh, will the Chiefs' window remain open? Well, I think they still got one more year. They don't have to renegotiate for the 2020 season, but then after that, they need to. Will they try and extend him? And you know as well as anybody, Frank, when the quarterback's on a rookie quarterback and he's good, uh, you can uh, devote those uh, that salary cap to other guys. But sooner or later, you got to pay him, and Mahomes is going to get paid. Period. Oh yeah, he's going to break the bank really, and you know I don't think they're going to wait. I, I, I know they can, but I think that he's so important to the franchise, and he's such a transcendent player. I think they'll take care of him sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, kind of like we saw with with Goff and Wentz, and and I mean they're just not going to they're not going to wait. So I, you know, the window. On one hand, I agree with you that the biggest edge any team has is a rookie quarterback or quarterback in his rookie deal who's good and good enough to lead you to a Super Bowl like Mahomes is, like Russell Wilson was, like Goff was. But 
I don't know. I mean, I think their window really might stay open because I'm just such a fan of Mahomes' game. I, I look at this guy as being legitimately a, a – it's really, really early to say this. Maybe it, it sounds dumb, but I, I look at this guy as being one of the all-time greats. Hey, that he will be. He's not yet, but hey, you could see that pass for sure. And I think that, that when you've got a guy that good – it's like a, having a Drew Brees, having a Tom Brady, where, yeah, they're making a ton of money, but they're so good. They lift everybody else up that you can you can be a Super Bowl contender year after year. So I really think that, on one hand, you're right, that the Chiefs are going to look different in a couple of years when, when Patrick Moses make a $40 million a year. But he's so good that I think that even with a lesser supporting cast, he'll keep them as championship contenders for years and years here. You know, Frank, we get hit over the head with this coverage all week. The pregame show is, what, six, eight hours before the game actually kicks off. You can sit there and you can really get bogged down in the game. But one of my favorite parts is when you run across a story that you knew nothing about, and that was certainly the case with the 49ers punter Mitch Wisnowski. He was a high school dropout, and here he is now punting in the Super Bowl. Those kind of stories, as you're down there in Miami, as you're covering a Super Bowl, is that something you try to do from time to time? Find find that story that nobody else is chasing. Yeah, of course. And I mean, you're still still want to write about the stars and the interesting, you know, interesting features that way. I but look, the, the, I think the the most fun I had writing about a story this week was Katie Sowers. I yeah, think that great story. She, she has done just, I mean, and I know that her story's not, it's been told before, but yet just being around her, see how impressive she was or what she's done for for women in football and, and just the, the mm-hmm. possibility that this is leading to, you know, 10 years from now, this might not be a, a story anymore. It might not be, oh, we're going to write about the, the one female on a coaching set. Maybe it's going to be many guys, many females, and how she has impacted the 49ers just by bringing a different voice and a different approach. You know, stuff like that is great. And you get around these people, you know, the 49ers, the Chiefs, any team during Super Bowl week, and you see, you know, different sides and, and different stories that come out and different angles. And that's great. It's just, it's just fun. Being here, kind of see, you know, even LaShawn McCoy, who, you know, I did, that's what I wrote about just now this morning. He's been, you know, he's maybe going to the Hall of Fame. He's had more than 10,000 yards and, and all these touchdowns, but yet you could see what it meant to him to be finally in a Super Bowl. You could see it really, even though he's not playing much, it really is an impactful thing for him and the memories and he's gathering, you know, he's kind of consciously going through the week saying, hey, take snapshots of this because I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. Hmm. Frank, a last thing for you. You mentioned the Hall of Fame. The, uh, the the class will be announced on Saturday. It's difficult this year. Usually we take a stab at this. We get you know, maybe three out of the five, four out of the five. I think Troy Palomalo is a lock. I think he should be. But after that, you can go in a bunch of directions. This is, I think for me anyways, Frank, I'm anxious to hear you. Kind of difficult to, to zero in on who's going to, you know, hear their, get that knock on their hotel room door, uh, that they've uh, made it to Canton. Yeah, absolutely. And I was uh, talking to uh, my colleague, Therese Paler, who's one of the Hall of Fame voters yesterday about this. And the same thing. He said, Paul Malo's locked. I don't know about the rest of the class. It's really up in the air, I think, going into it. And I think that it's a chance for guys who, you know, there's going to be a long chance. There's a lot of great players that have retired recently, mm-hmm. but it's a chance for guys like maybe an Edger and James, a, a Tony Baselli, an Isaac Bruce, John Lynch, who have come really close 
because they can't get in because the classes are so stacked. Well, this year is a, a, a chance for there's a few slots for guys like that, and it'll be interesting. I do think John Lynch is going to make it, I, just because I think he gets kind of the publicity boost <laughs> from this year's yeah. Super Bowl run. And, and maybe there is a guy like a Buscelli who, who is a great, great player, but just he's kind of been on the outside because there's other guys they want in. It's going to be a really interesting class, but I think you're right. The, the, the headliner, the lock is Palomalu, and then after that, I really don't know who's going to make the rest of the class up. Uh, Frank, thank you for what you do for us. As always, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks as we approach, uh, well, I guess the first checkpoint in the offseason, which will be the combine, etc. Uh, and we'll start clicking the pass as we get set for 2020. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate what you do for us. Absolutely appreciate it, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. Read him at YahooSports.com. Good stuff with Frank. Have you looked at the Hall of Fame class at all to try to... Not a whole lot. It's... We- it's a bunch of good players. Yes. I think John Lynch will get in. I agree. Uh-huh. I think Paul Amalu's a lock. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Steve Hutchinson is a really good player. He Alan, was a really good player. Alan Fanica, really good player. Baselli, Steve Atwater. I mean, my Bronco bias, I'd like to see him. But then, I like Atwater. Then you get to the receivers. You've got Isaac Bruce, as he mentioned. You've got Torrey Holt. You've got Reggie Wayne on the outside still trying to get that. Mm. Edger and James are the running back. I think probably he gets in. Ten get in? Five, I think. Five get in. Um, hmm. Usually, well, that guy's getting in. That guy's getting in. Nah, not him. Palomalu and then, huh? Kind of a whole lot of... It, it is. Hall of Very Goods? Hall of Very Good Players. They have to do five? I think so, yes. Okay. Pretty sure the number's five. Anyways. Have we'll, to dig through it. Uh, we will come back, finish up the hour. Uh, David Kaplan's going to join us. We'll do our... Disclaimer before the uh, uh, we run out of hour number one. Cappy and hour uh, will start off hour number two. Uh, Alex Halstead on Iowa State and the number one team. Well, I'm not buying Baylor's number one, but that's where the rankings say that they are. Uh, that game goes tonight. ESPNU has the coverage, but if you can't be in front of your TV, tune the radio. Well, keep it tuned to the FM dial. Yes. Don't Just even have to flip don't over. Don't have to do with it. Well, you got to go down the dial to 100.3 the bus, and there you will find the clones and the Baylor Bears. If you're so inclined, you can't be in front of a television to watch it. You can hear uh, Monsieur's Walters and Heft opine and bring you the coverage. We'll be back to wrap up our number one. Miller and Connor are with you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.0. Whiskey of the Year. In Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 106.3 FM. Some NFL news, and it kind of dovetails on our Hall of Fame conversation because it looks as though uh, Marshall Yanda's clock has officially started as he has just announced his retirement after 12 years in the NFL. Eight Pro Bowls, all pro twice, which is a jump above the Pro Bowl. Uh, what a career. Wow. And he's he'd been talking about yeah, that. Yeah, he had been talking about it. You're right. But I just it felt like with that team, the well, way that Harbaugh, they played. Trent Harbaugh at the end of the season, that was part of his uh, his final press conference of the year, is you know, trying to get him to play another year. Right. Didn't want it to end. Uh, do you remember the uh, – I mean, I think he can now peel Rashawn Parker off his jersey from that <laughs> Iowa State. Iowa. What year was that? That would have been 05. Oh, later than that. Well, eight. Eight. 
I don't know. This, they blend together. Yes, they do. But you remember the play. I mean, no my doubt. God. Decleated him. But what a career Marshall Leonda has had. And the path that he took. He was yes. committed out of high school, out of Anamosa High School to Iowa State. Didn't qualify academically. Had to go to Nyack mm-hmm. up in Mason City, which no longer even has a football program. Well, I wasn't aware of that. Is that yeah, right? Their old head coach, in fact, is the coach at Iowa Western. And what a program he's built mm-hmm. over in Council Bluffs. But, yeah, don't have a football program. Iowa, kind of late in the process. You know, we don't take a whole lot of junior college kids, but Ferentz thought something. Boy, yeah, let's let's offer him. Comes in there. <laughs> How'd that work out? And now, maybe a Hall of Famer, best interior lineman of a decade? I think transfer, he is one of, the, yes. I think he's going to make it. I do. I do. He dominated his position. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, it's tough, right? We, I think Steve Hutchison, who we just talked about, is as good as there was at that position. Right. He's going to struggle to get in. But uh, Yanda with, um, and he's still close to the program. I think he comes back, at least he had, most years and worked out. A lot of those guys do. Go back with them. Doyle. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter Why what's happening. They? Yes. <laughs> Guy's been on the cutting edge for two Whoa. decades now. And it obviously had a major impact on where they got today. So Yanda announces he's walking away. All right, so we're gonna, we've are gonna we got David Kaplan coming off the lead off the 11 o'clock hour. If you uh, missed our disclaimer uh, earlier in the program, we tape Cappy the morning of. Cappy's on the air right now in Chicago on ESPN 1000. So Trent and I tape Cappy every Wednesday at about 8.30, 8.35, somewhere in there. And we just literally had hung up the phone with Cappy, and within 10 minutes, the news broke that Chris Bryant had lost his grievance against Major League Baseball and that because he wanted his clock to have started. You remember the whole thing when he was down here? Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to avoid another year, his clock ticking. They're trying to get another year of team control, which every team does. Uh, the Blue Jays just went through it with Vladdy Guerrero Jr. There's going to be other guys until they change the uh, the way that the uh, uh, the agreement is uh, is written. Uh, and that's a Players Association Union thing that may happen in the uh, the next time that they negotiate with the league. But for now... Uh, Chris Bryant is a Cub and will remain under team control through 2021. But sadly, this won't be part of our conversation with Cappy because we just hung up. Right. So uh, between you and me now, two years of team control. Mm -hmm. This gives teams out there in the market looking at a third baseman, knowing that they would have him for two years if they make a trade with the Cubs, and with it provide the financial flexibility that the Cubs want as Bryant's going to make what is it? Seventeen million. Eighteen, I think. Eighteen million yeah. this year, and another year of arbitration uh-huh. after that. You're talking probably North 21, of 20. 22 right in that range. So, if you tie that, you take that money away, gives you the flexibility to go out and do more. Is it worth it though? Well, here's what they're going to do, Trent. If they if they were going to trade him now, knowing that at the end of this year that he can walk from whatever team trades for him, but now they've got another year on that. So you've essentially got two seasons where if you make the trade now. Now, I'm not saying they're going to trade him, but mm-hmm. the speculation has certainly been out there that maybe Chris Bryant is available. Now, this is this clearly um, makes the win, the return that the Cubs will get on the on any trade, uh, way more beneficial. Oh, no them. doubt. Yeah, I mean, in a big, big way. You go from getting probably a couple of B level prospects, maybe a, a fringe major leaguer ready right now, to you can put together either a young package or control of a major leaguer or two to go along with it. So, yeah, it completely changes the perspective for the Cubs of what they can do. Now Theo and Jed got to figure it out. Mm. What do you do? Well, now they know. They they and the other teams uh, that are interested in kicking the tires, Texas Rangers have been after a third baseman all season long. 
Um, and they still are. And, may, and maybe that's the uh, most likely destination. Or maybe nothing happens and he uh, patrols the hot corner on the north side at Wrigley Field all season long. All right, we'll come back with the 11 o'clock hour. Alex Halstead, also part of it. We'll get to him about the bottom of the hour. We'll preview Baylor and Iowa State tonight. They tip at 8 ESPNU or 100.3 the bus. Trent and I take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM.